1: The
2: thief, Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Not only your health, not only your finances, not only your peace, but your soul. And he blinds the eyes and the minds of unbelievers so they cannot accept the truth of God's word. But Jesus, in the same verse, says, I have come that they might have life and they might have it to the full.
0: The passage you hear quoted is from Jesus and is generally applied from Jesus' time to the present. It does, however, certainly apply to all of history. Satan did tempt Eve after all. His plan for mankind has been, since his fall, to steal, kill, and destroy any positivity God wants to bless mankind with. As Pastor Mark will be teaching, you will hear about that in the life of Saul. Saul gave in to his pride and resisted God's commands, he opened himself to the destructive influence of the devil. This is clearly contrasted with David, who gave himself fully to God and reaped those benefits. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 16, as he continues in his series called The Life of David.
1: Lord,
2: let us hear your lessons for now, I don't hear David going to King Saul and going, Ganguzo, man, I got to go to the kingdom. Then I got to go back to the field. Then I got to go back to the kingdom. I got to play my harp. Then I got to go back over here. Man, like I'm working overtime. Is there time and a half for this? See, we're into that environment. We're simply into that environment. One of the things you'll notice about David, he was always busy doing what God ordained for him to do. If you and I get to the place where the only thing we can do is spend time doing what we want to do, we all need a little bit of that. We all need a day off. We all need those kind of things. But if the driving force in your life is nothing but to please you and stuff from this world, then we missed it. We have 7 billion people. More than 2 billion never heard the name Jesus. And I cannot just be about my business. You Remember, Jesus one day simply said this. I must be about my father's business. That's what David's doing. Wherever God calls him, he goes. His dad is still over him. He takes care of the sheep. The king calls. He goes to the king. That's what you need to be doing. That's what I need to be doing. Make sure that we're doing things that outlast our life here because it's very short. Enjoy a day off. Enjoy your recreation, all of us, whatever. But we need to be doing things for the kingdom of God. Now, on-the-job training is very interesting. God is going to use every part, I love this, every part of David's life, Oh, he's going to use the shepherding part a lot because really Moses had the same kind of training. You remember 40 years taking care of sheep and later he'd take care of millions of Jewish people as he led them to the promised land. David's going to understand this very well. But he doesn't have any idea where God's going to use him. He just knows that wherever God orchestrates it, as the, as the scripture says, our steps are ordered by the Lord. He just he just walks into it. Now think about where he is. He's going to be in the palace. Amazing training. Now he knows he's going to be king. King Saul doesn't know he's going to be king. If King Saul knew he was going to be king, David's dead. So God doesn't allow that to happen. But David knows it, so he's in training. And as he's there, God says, well, you're not ready yet. In fact, 25 years before he'll be ready. So he's doing what? He's learning and growing right where God has him. Not grumbling about it, but learning. Patience, the big one. I was thinking as I was studying for this teaching tonight, I started as a kind of helping in the youth we used to have Christ Ambassadors in the old AG Church, and I used to help in the youth, teach. And then I went out to college, and I ended up teaching a Bible study at InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. First time I was exposed to all kinds of denominations. Then, of course, first time they were exposed to me. It was exciting. I was learning a lot. Then, basically, I taught Sunday school. Then later on, I would teach a larger group. And then later on, I would fill in for the pastor when he was gone. And I was thinking about all that. And then for about 30 years, God had me in pharmacy. And I had managing all kinds of people and millions of dollars and all that kind of stuff. Wonder, what it... And so when we started the church, every part of that, God used initially. The finances, the people, the managing, the patients. All different denominations. I mean, I'm a pastor. It's not a problem to go to the hospital. Hey, I've worked there for 30 years. I can just walk into a room. Doesn't bother me too much at all. Not unless people are throwing up all over the room. Then I'll probably join them or something. It's no problem. (laughs) But I know where to go and get the stuff and clean it up. You know, whatever. And so understand where you're at tonight. You've heard me say this before, so it's so important. God never wastes anything in our life. And he uses it. So we can use it to expand the kingdom of God. Now, later on, you're going to read something in 1 Samuel 17, 15. It says this, David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep of Bethlehem. So he is all over the place, just following God's instructions. So what does he have? The king calls him. What does he do? He comes and serves. His father says, come take care of the sheep. He comes and takes care of the sheep. His father, in a few moments here, will say, go to the battlefield. Take some goodies to your brothers. He goes there. Here's what I want you to write tonight. David had a servant attitude. That's the same attitude that every single Christ follower needs. Now, where do we see that in the life of Jesus? Let me read to you. Philippians chapter 2. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. That's another one of those wonderful comparisons. David was actually a king. But he put it all aside and served his dad as a shepherd, obedient to whatever his dad wanted. When the king called him, he went. He served. It's a beautiful picture. Now, look at verse 22. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. The next thing I want you to write is this, because it goes perfectly along with servant. Make sure that you are known for a person that's faithful in the little things. That's what Jesus was. That's what you and I want to be. Just a little thing. A lot of people never know. They never see any of that. You're not doing it for people. You're doing it for God. So just be faithful, a person of integrity, just in the little things, being obedient to God. Look at verse 23. Now, whenever the spirit from God came upon Saul, that evil spirit that he allowed to come, David would take his harp or lyre, lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul and he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Now, this was not new in the ancient world. A lot of ancients believed that music had this amazing influence in the spiritual realm. And uh, technically, that isn't a harp. That's a lyre, this instrument with a flat-sounding box and two curved arms and so forth. That was really what David became well-known with. By the way, they found these in Megiddo. When you go to Israel, they found these there. So it was something that was interesting. Now, think about this. Somehow, music was directed by God through David to bring peace and ward off the evil spirit. That's still the same tonight. Music can either take you toward God or music can take you away from God. Did you know that? And so it can take us to God and away from God. And of course, David wrote many, many songs. And was actually known as the sweet psalmist of Israel. And uh, he was also credited for kind of creating and establishing these temple musicians. He loved music. Let me read you Chronicles. The trumpeters and the singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple. And the priests could not continue their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Aren't you glad that we have awesome worship here? Amen. Did you enjoy it? You did. You did. First Samuel 17. Now, if there's any chapter in the Bible. That's a well-known chapter. It's this chapter. Even as little children, this is a chapter. You just mentioned David and Goliath, and, and you'll have a million people say, Oh, I know that story. Here's how it goes. And boom, 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 boom. So I want to challenge you with something. You might go, Oh, are you kidding me? You're going to do David and Goliath? No, listen up. Because really, this is one of the most powerful battles in all of Scripture. And there's great truth for us tonight. What you discover here is that David trusted God. And then God, through that trust, delivered not only David, but uh, his people. Now, this is where we see some amazing things begin to happen. We won't get all of this chapter, just part of it. This is where we see that David, who's already chosen and anointed privately, And playing for King Saul as a court musician, he'll begin to move to the forefront, even though it'll be many years until he's actually king. There's going to be amazing jealousy that's going to be developing because of this chapter. And this is the part that will cause Saul to always want to kill David. So it will enter in because of all of this that we begin to see. Now look at chapter seventeen, verse one. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war, and they assembled at Succoth in Judah, and they pitched camp at Ephes, Ademon between Succoth and Azekah. Now the Philistines, as you know, as you read First and Second Samuel, they came to live in the Palestine area, and they came from the Aegean Sea. They were kind of sea peoples. Around 1200 BC is when they came, and here we are, about 1000 BC. And they settled in this coast, and they had five capital cities. Let me name them for you, and it'll bring back memories. If you know much about the Old Testament, it'll bring back memories. Their five capital cities were Ashkelon, Ashdod, Ekron, Gath, and listen to the last one, Gaza. Or Gaza. Interesting. Now, during the reign of Saul, there was continued conflict. They were always raiding and ridding. And Saul was always trying to get rid of them. They're always a problem in the nation of Israel. Verse 2. Now, Saul and the Israelites assembled, encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. And the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. Now, we were just there about three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, and that we were actually at that valley. You can see at the top part of this picture, kind of where uh, in this area of Israel, and you can see those cities that I was talking about. And if you look over to the right over there, you'll see Jerusalem, and you'll see Bethlehem. So you kind of see where that is and where this area is, and then we go down here to the bottom. And you see a blow up of it. It's easier for you to see it, not far from Gath. And uh, right there on those two mountaintops, the Philistine camp would be toward the sea. And as you can see, uh, Philistia up there, and the Israelite camp are right there. And that's where the armies were gathered. But when you read that verse, what are we reminded of tonight? When you have an army on one side and you have an army on the other side, what are we reminded of tonight? You've heard me say it how many times? Life is not a playground. It's a battlefield. It never changes. So Israel is at war again, that perpetual enemy. So we have two enemy forces gathering on both sides of the Valley of Elah. Every one of us tonight are always in spiritual warfare. That's why I need to be filled with the power of the Spirit of God. Spiritual warfare is real. It's real. It is not this thing that we drum up. From the beginning of time, in the Garden of Eden, spiritual warfare was real. It happened, of course, in the heavenlies, when Satan decided he'd wanted to be God. That's where it began. That's where the fighting began. He was kicked out of heaven. A third of the demons went with him. And immediately in the garden, we see a battlefield. That which was perfect... Became a battlefield. And has never changed. You know this verse by heart. But notice it reminds us of what's at stake tonight. The thief, Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Not only your health. Not only your finances. Not only your peace. But your soul. And he blinds the eyes and the minds of unbelievers so they cannot accept. The truth of God's word. But Jesus in the same verse, says, I've come that they might have life and they might have it to the full. So we're reminded again, by the way, the day you become a Christian, a Christ follower, you enter the kingdom of God and God wants you to follow him and obey him. And Satan immediately, who is where you were serving, you were in the kingdom of Satan before, immediately he comes after you. And that's why it's so important if you have new believers and they're your friends that come up and get saved like we do every week. People come and get saved. Why they need to be in the 101 and the two. They need to understand that they've changed kingdoms and now there is a real enemy, Satan, that's against them. And if they're unaware of the devices of Satan, so easily will they fall. So it's a critical time. It's like a brand new baby. And that baby is so open and so unaware of the enemy that's really there. So understand tonight. Now, when the children of Israel approached the promised land, you remember one of the reports came back and said, we can't take this land. Remember why? Too many giants there. Well, it hasn't changed too much. Look at verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp, he was over nine feet tall. Most people think about nine-nine. He had a bronze helmet on his head, wore a coat of scale armor, of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. In its point, weighed 600 shekels. His shield's bare went ahead of him. Not, not only that, he got somebody in front of him. So when Goliath would go to Publix to weigh himself, he had... He had to take his armor off because his armor weighed 125 pounds. He also had to set his spearhead, just a spearhead, weighed 15 pounds. Some of us have 20-pound weights that we're trying to... The spearhead that he would throw weighed 15 pounds. Basically, when he got on the scale, it didn't matter. It just went... It's over with. He needed the meat scale in the back room to get on. Most people feel he was about 600 pounds. Now, 9'9 and 600 pounds. How would that be as you looked at him? All of us would look like what? Exactly. Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Now choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man, and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the armies were dismayed And terrified. That's amazing. Choose a man that will come and fight me. Do you see the picture of Jesus Christ? You see it? But understand this. Whose job was it to really fight? King Saul. King Saul was the warrior. He should have gone, but he's as much afraid as everybody else. And here's something you want to write. I think this is is, is huge. Let's remind ourselves tonight where the battle is. It's in the mind. It's in the mind. Notice, he was huge to see. We saw that. But notice what he does. He has great words to speak. And so his words cause fear and panic in the people's minds. Thoughts take place in our mind. So our mind is, in essence, the battlefield. Every day, there's a spiritual war going on in the battlefield of my mind and your mind. You understand that every single day. And I just want to challenge you tonight at the end to understand if you've been fearful today, if you've allowed the Spirit of God to be overruled, what are some of the things that our mind does when we're facing a Goliath? When we're facing our own giants, what are some of the things that happen in our mind? Let me read them to you. Worry, doubt, confusion, depression, anger, and sometimes even condemnation. Now, where do all those come from? From Satan. And they all happen in our mind. So the Bible says, stop and think. Watch this. Stop and think about what you're thinking about. Stop and think about what you're thinking about. How did that get in there? And so what am I to do when I begin thinking like that? I think like God thinks. And how can I think like God thinks? I have to be in the word. When I'm in the word, I can have the mind of Christ and not the mind of the enemy. That's another reason we tried to share with you that we must be. Holding fast to the word of God because the truths of the word of God will eliminate that kind of thinking that comes from Satan. Look what's going to happen. Look at what happened there. This isn't going to work. What, look what that person did to you. And pretty soon we've imagined you name it. And we have to take hold of this. We'll talk more. Second Corinthians chapter. We have to take hold of that videotape that he loves to put in there. And we play it again and again. We take captive that thought and bring it into subjection. And that is what David's actually going to do. He's going to go to King Saul and his brothers and say, what are you thinking? We have God with us. If God before us, I'll say it to you, who cares who's against us? And Paul would pick up on that later.
0: Today, Pastor Mark reminded you of the importance of having the attitude of a servant, including being reliable, carrying out whatever task you've been given to do. He also taught about the spiritual lives of the two men, Saul and David, showing the destruction coming into Saul's life versus the blessings in David's life. This is a reminder that the individual decisions you make have long-term effects in your life. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin the fourth installment in this series, The Life of David. You'll be introduced to the warrior, Goliath. This will be a teaching about who the Israeli soldiers trusted in and who David trusted in. You'll be taught about the necessity of relying on the Spirit of God when faced with seemingly insurmountable situations. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne.
1: in a hurry